Well, thank you, Anna and Evan, for lighting the Advent candle. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's starting to feel a bit like Christmas, isn't it? Yeah, 13, 13 days, right? 13 days and counting down to the big day. So if my math is correct, and maybe Dan will correct me if it's not, because I know he's a math guy, um, we have about 300 hours left. 300 hours, right? Does, that sounds like less than 13 days. <laughs> 300, 300 hours left before Christmas. And then all of your friends, all of your family, all of your kids, your grandkids will find out how much you truly love them. Right? Did you get what they wanted? Did you meet expectations? Did you make little Johnny's dreams come true? Right, how's that for pressure? <laughs> Yesterday, as, as Stephen mentioned, some of us volunteered at Shepherd's Pantry's uh, Christmas toy event where they gave out toys to families. And it was, it was great to serve. Uh, this was our, our first experience with them, but it was great to serve and to see the excitement of some of the kids who knew they were receiving toys and, you know, in a year that they may not otherwise. And so I want to thank you for those of you who came out and volunteered. Uh, and I also want to thank you and the congregation for those who supported the toy drive this past month and, and, and gave of your resources and gave toys. It, it was, as Stephen said, a blessing. You know, my kids are still fairly young. So they're in countdown mode. 15, 14, 13 days left. And, and I can sense, I can, I can sense the, sort of the expectations mounting. The Christmas comes with a lot of stress, doesn't it? There's pressure to decorate the house. But first you have to clean the house before you decorate the house. Right? You have to get a tree. You have to buy an ugly sweater. You have to go to parties. Right? And a lot of it is it's commercially driven. But I think it's good. I think it's good when we have expectations for the things that are important. And that's what Advent is. Right? That's what Evan and Anna are doing up here by lighting the candle for us. They're building the anticipation of God's people for the birth of Christ and focusing us on the hope and the peace and the joy that he brings. You know, I think the significance of Christmas cannot be overstated. And our society and the way we market it, this, the way our, our world markets it is something different. But what we know as Christians, right, it cannot be overstated. But anticipation, the expectation, implies what? It implies waiting. It implies longing. Perseverance. Chances are that there, there are things in your life right now that makes you anxious, maybe that causes you discontent or unrest. Things that require waiting and patience and perseverance. 
See, if you've been a Christian for a while or been learning and growing and coming to church, I think you, you understand when I say God's peace and joy, they don't just come on us instantly. Right? It's not just like winning the lottery or hitting a jackpot. It's not that simple. And as we'll see today in Scripture, anticipation and expectation are an important part of the Christmas story. And true joy comes only when our longings are satisfied by the Lord. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. And I'll read from verses 25 through 33. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before you 13 days before Christmas, full in the Advent season, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you would be building in us the anticipation and the expectation, Father, for what you have for us. Lord, we thank you for the birth of Christ and all that means to us. We pray that we would offer ourselves, Lord, in, in worship and in praise to you. And we would seek your hope, your peace, and your joy. And we pray that you would speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Simeon, I don't know if you know the story of Simeon. He may not be one of the more famous characters in the Christmas story. He's not Joseph or Mary, like we saw in the video, right? Little Joseph, little Mary, or the angel Gabriel. He wasn't one of the shepherds or magi. He's not even mentioned in Scripture until Jesus was brought to the temple by his parents for presentation to the Lord. And so this was a dedication tradition about 40 days after Jesus was born. So you could argue that Simeon wasn't even part of the Christmas story. But we learn a lot from him in this this short passage. In verse 25, it says that Simeon was a righteous man waiting for the consolation of Israel. Earlier in Simeon's life, God had revealed to him that he would see the Messiah before he died. 
I think that's pretty cool. I don't think it's the kind of promise that God makes to very many people. I don't know if I've read a, a place in Scripture where that kind of promise is, is made. But how many of us, how many of us would like to, you know, would like to have the Lord say to us, you'll get to see your children get married. You'll get to see your grandchildren born. You'll get to see the Trojans win another national championship before you die. I think we would all want that. We would all want to see what's coming. We would all want that promise that Simeon had. God promised him that he would see the Messiah with his own eyes before he died. But I don't think it's a promise God normally makes. In 2016, the Chicago Cubs, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series for the first time in 108 years. Do you guys remember that? Right? They broke the, the longest streak of not winning a championship by any team in baseball. And the city of Chicago went crazy. Uh, I have friends that live in Chicago. I have a pastor friend who lives in Chicago, and he said, you couldn't, he goes, I know it's just baseball, but you couldn't imagine the burden that it lifted from the city. Not just baseball fans and sports fans, but the entire city celebrated. And this was the headline of the Chicago Tribune at that time. So I don't know if you can see it, but at the top before the picture, it says World Series Champions, right? And then in the big bold letters, at last. You know, there was another headline that I liked. I didn't provide a slide, but uh, I think it said, the Cubs are champions. And it only took 108 years. <laughs> you know, after they had won, I saw numerous articles about people who had been Cubs fans for 70, 80, 90 years talking about how they thought they would never see that day. Scripture doesn't say how old Simeon was, but you get the feeling he had been waiting for a long time. Each day, each week, each month, he probably got up and wondered, is this the day? He was a godly man, so he was probably familiar with the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah's birth. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now bear in mind, Jesus' birth predicted here in Isaiah was 700 years before he was actually born. One scholar called it a very long pregnancy. Simeon longed to see the Lord's Messiah. His heart ached for it. Let me ask you, what do you long for? What do you wish you could see? In our society today, longing is such a foreign concept. 
It's an unusual word to use. Right? Don't get me wrong. We want things. Right? We want a new job. We want to get healthy. We want to be happy. We want a house. We want something fixed. But beloved, longing or yearning for something is much deeper than that. It's closer to the heart. It's something more eternal and often involves patience and steadfastness. And my question this morning is, do you long for the Lord? Listen to David's words in Psalm 63.1. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. And let me read that again. He says, Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. Is this how you feel about God? Does this represent your heart for Christ? That he's the water to your thirst in a dry and weary land. Right? We all know the feeling of thirst after a long hike or a hot day you know, or playing a, a sporting game and the need for water. In Isaiah 26.9, Isaiah, Isaiah expresses something similar. He says, At night, my soul longs for you, Lord. Indeed, my spirit within me seeks you diligently. See, the danger for you and me at Christmas time, or at any time, really, during the year, is to be satisfied with what the world has to offer. And honestly, it doesn't take much to satisfy us. Sometimes we're people of low standards, right? Get a few gifts, see some friends and family, get a few days off work, have a few laughs. And it's because of our simple worldly wants, we actually lose sight of what God has to offer us. And I'm as guilty as, as anyone um, where I cheapen the importance of Christmas because I don't long for Jesus the way I should. If I did, Christmas would take on a whole new meaning. Simeon longed for the Lord. David and Isaiah thirsted for God. They yearned for him. What do you long for? You know, in our culture today, Christmas is supposed to be a cheerful time. Right? Doesn't sound like a very cheerful message so far. It's supposed to be a cheerful time. Everything is geared towards being merry, to being happy. The music, the lights, the parties, the presents. You don't hear sad Christmas songs on the radio. 
or watch gloomy Christmas specials on TV. It's the way the world markets Christmas. And unfortunately, if you're not happy during this time, or if you're going through difficulty at this time of the year, you know, you're considered a Grinch or Scrooge, right? Or you're made to feel like something's wrong with you. And that's not right. Sometimes I think the good tidings of Christmas mask what it was actually like when Jesus was born. When Jesus was born, it was a dark time in Israel's history. Israel was a conquered people. They weren't free. They lived under, under the strong hand of the Roman Empire. They were taxed and regulated heavily by Caesar and by Rome. And they were even spiritually oppressed by their own religious leaders. Right? It wasn't It wasn't a bright, happy time in the society. Most Jews, including Joseph and Mary, were poor and owned almost nothing at all. Basically, Jesus was born into a third world context under a harsh military dictatorship. That was the situation on the first Christmas. No parties, no potlucks, no parades. The darkness and the desperation of the people was profound. In fact, there had been a period of 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament before John the, John the Baptist came calling before Jesus. There was a period of 400 years where God was silent. He not only was Simeon longing for the Messiah, but the people longed for a savior, a redeemer. And it's in this darkness, beloved, that I think true joy is found. See, we too live in a dark world, don't we? I mean, things go good sometimes. Things are all right in life. It's different than Jesus' time, but I think we can agree when we look at the world around us that things aren't the way they should be. Right? They're not the way we want them to be. See, the the joy of Christmas doesn't come from just pretending that everything is fine and ho-hoing our way into the new year. And it comes from the light that the birth of Christ brings into this dark world and how he comes to satisfy our longings. In Isaiah 9, 2 through 7, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. 
For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Jesus' birth is the fulfillment of God's promise made to his people here in Isaiah. Again, 700 years before he was actually born. And that promise is that he is with us, he is for us, and that he is making things right in his time. Now you may be thinking, well, everything's not right right now. Right? There's still sin, there's still pain, there's still suffering in life. Right? And that's true. But this is not the end. God is at work playing the long game. Which is why patience, perseverance, steadfastness is important. All things will be made new when Christ returns again. All things. In Revelation 21, John says, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. This is what we have to look forward to. This is what we should long for. Hope, peace, and salvation, they come not from getting all of our worldly wants met, but they come through Christ. This is why Jesus' birth is worth celebrating. This is why Simeon praised God when he saw Jesus in the temple and held him in his arms. Because he knew we needed a Savior. Pastor and martyr Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul who know themselves to be poor and imperfect and who look forward to something greater to come. I think one of the verses from a familiar Christian hymn, a Christian uh, Christmas carol that we sing sometimes, says it well. Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Simeon stands as a testimony to us of how we should anticipate the arrival of Jesus. 
Simeon looked forward to Christ's first coming, and we anticipate the birth of Christ, the celebration of Christmas, and Christ's second coming. See, no matter how long it takes, God keeps his promises to his people. Beloved, what do you long for? What do you thirst for? Christmas, Jesus' birth, is the fulfillment of a promise that God will never leave us nor forsake us. And this promise, it's true all the time. Every day, we have access to God for his help through the Holy Spirit, but know that God is in the process of bringing into completion his eternal plan of joy and salvation. And he's doing it through Christ's birth and through his second coming. So together as a church, as a church family, as believers, let us celebrate the joy of Christmas together. I want to call the, uh, the worship team up and uh, before I pray, and I'll call the uh, prayer counselors up as well to the front. And our prayer counselors will be up front during the closing song, and they'll be, they'll be here after service for a few minutes as well. Um, they're here to pray with you. Okay, they're here to pray for you. So if you have anything that you desire prayer for, um, come forward and, and uh, pray together and give it to the Lord. Let's Together, let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord Jesus, you come to bring us joy. You, you have um, so much to offer us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would not be a people who are so easily satisfied. Lord, that we would not look to the world and to the things of the world to fulfill us and to meet our needs but that you would put in us, you would instill in us a deep, Lord, desire, a deep longing for you, for your presence, for Emmanuel, God with us. And Lord, you would be in the process of making us and conforming us to your image. We pray, Lord, as we approach Christmas and we celebrate Advent, Lord, that you would keep on our hearts and minds, the true meaning of Christmas. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.